decolonizing disco, counterculture, post-industrial creativity, the 1970s dance floor, and disco. As the recent passing of the 40th anniversary of the July 1979 Disco Sucks rally at Comiskey Park draws attention to one of the earliest manifestations of the middle American revolt against any group perceived to have made gains at its expense, it's become possible and even necessary to reach new conclusions about that population's favourite point of attack, which was disco. If the late 1970s backlash established disco as a phenomenon that needed to be defended, temporal distance from its formation, uptake and overproduction uh, and collapse and then recuperation allows for a more nuanced and far-reaching understanding of the culture that has, I would say, three significant implications. First, the rehistoricization of disco enables and even requires a reconceptualization of punk and hip hop slash rap, the other two music based movements that came to dominate 1970s and early 1980s New York City. All three genres have been figured by historians as unfolding as discrete and stable entities that emerged in opposition to one another with each additional discursive reference to disco, hip-hop, rap and punk, attributing these sounds with a singular coherence. Yet a methodological approach that prioritises city-wide cultural developments above demarcated scenes leads to the conclusion that the cultures that gathered around these sounds were much more fluid, open and democratic than has been supposed this, in turn, requires not only a new historicization of the formative years of disco punk and hip-hop rap in the 70s and early 80s, but also, given the way these sounds have influenced so much music that has circulated globally since that halcyon period, a broader rereading of the history of music genre during the last 50 years. Second, the reconceptualization of disco, along with hip-hop rap and punk, sheds new light on the progressive potential of the early post-industrial economy before it assumed its neoliberal character. The dominant reading of the history of neoliberalism, uh, uh, forwarded most notably by David Harvey in 2005 uh, in his short uh, Brief History of Neoliberalism, posits the that the embrace of individualism, freedom and flexibility proposed by the loosely contemporaneous advances of the countercultural movement, the anti-state demonstrations of 1968 and the emergence of the Italian autonomist movement coincided with and supported the emergence of a corporate agenda that sought to introduce economic reforms that would undermine collective power and liberate capital via the slashing of welfare spending the rolling back of corporate regulation and the lowering of taxes for the wealthy, reforms that the proponents of neoliberalism claimed would enhance individualism, freedom and flexibility. A counter-reading, uh, forwarded mainly by uh, Tony Negri and Michael Hart, uh, maintains that the countercultural movement, the protests of 1968 and Autonomia, came about through the desire of citizens to free themselves from the social and economic restrictions of the post-war settlement by embracing new forms of autonomy, flexibility and creativity that channeled new collective desires. 
Far from instigating the shift towards individualism, freedom and flexibility, then, capital reacted to the demand for change. However, the popular resonance of this post-Fordist form of collectivist proto-politics has been underestimated, with disco amounting not to a regressive form of narcissism, hedonism and materialism, as has largely been argued on the left, but instead a dramatic expression of news of a news of the new sensibility. Third big conclusion. Disco histories should acknowledge not only the culture's definitively diverse social and sonic roots, but also the way the international the international contribution to the early development of the sound came to be marginalized and eventually erased. Having integrated African and Latin recordings into their sets during the first half of the 1970s, New York City's pioneering DJs became almost entirely detached from these historic sources of dance music, in part because disco successfully co-opted African and Latin motifs into its matrix, in part because US disco became such a successful commodity that other production centres that lay beyond Western Europe... Um, and of course the United States, became almost entirely obscured. What were the global roots of disco, and how did these musical lineages evolve as New York, the United States, and to a certain extent France and Germany, claimed disco to be their own invention? What might an anti-colonial history of disco look like if it was written from within Africa or Latin America or another part of the world? Okay, first section. Rewriting the history of disco, punk and hip-hop rap in 1970s New York City. Running up to the late 1990s, books dedicated to the history of disco characterised the culture as existing on an axis that at one end featured the elitist, hedonistic, narcissistic, individualistic, fashion-conscious, sexually polymorphous practices that that characterised midtown discotheques such as Studio 54, and at the other, and at the other, revolved around a working class, stylistically less sophisticated culture that revived straight hustle dancing and enjoyed widespread uptake in the suburbs, as depicted in the movie Saturday Night Fever. Inasmuch as it was acknowledged, punk was figured as disco's aggressive, commercially less successful antagonist. Hip hop rap didn't feature either because it had yet to enter public consciousness or because it was deemed to be irrelevant to the history of disco. For example, uh, Anthony Hayden Guest's The Last Party, the most extensive history of disco at the time of its publication in 1997, dedicates a single phrase to the history of hip-hop and rap during the 1970s. More recent histories of disco draw attention to the culture's socially diverse and sonically progressive origins among these, of course, I think of uh, Love Saves the Day, uh, which was the first um, big history of disco to be published following Anthony Hayden Guest's attempts. So uh, more recent histories of disco draw attention to the culture's socially diverse and sonically progressive origins, which shaped a less viable, a less visible, sorry, yet ultimately more influential form of disco that took root in private parties, downtown discotheques, and independent record companies, shaping contemporary DJ culture, remix culture, sound system culture, and the practice of inclusive partying along the way. This revisionist analysis was necessary given that, ever since the Disco Sucks backlash peaked in the summer of 1979, Disco's reputation for crassness, commercialism, exclusivity and superficiality dominated public discourse. 
This extended to the wave of histories that established the basic parameters of punk and rap slash hip-hop. All figured punk and or hip-hop rap as existing in direct opposition to a reductionist version of disco that revolved around midtown exclusivity, suburban bad taste and mindless music. So let's have a listen to Christina's Disco Clone, which was a punk-oriented parody of disco uh, released on Michael Zilker's Z Records. Just a disco clown 